0: You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Notice that in this passage, which is uh, not at all unique to the Gospels, uh, the Gospel of God is the announcement uh, of the arrival of the reign or or, or, or the kingdom of God. This is a God whose whose reign or whose kingdom, it's a God who desires a world that is safe, that is distributively just, uh, a compassionate home for everyone. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 260 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first-century Jewish prophet of the poor might have to offer us today in our work of survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Our title this week is Salvific Teachings, and our featured text is Mark 1, 14-15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This week, we are taking our third and final look at Jesus' crucifixion through the lens of of the experiences of members of of vulnerable vulnerable communities who who daily face marginalization, domination, exploitation, and or oppression. And we're going to be listening at the feet of one of the greatest womanist theologians of our time, and that's Dolores S. Williams. I'll put a link uh, to, with uh, more information about her in this week's e-site. But last week we considered how many feminist theologians reject the sufferings of, of Jesus as redemptive because of the lethal fruit that this interpretation of Jesus' crucifixion has produced in the in the lives of women. And womenist theologians have the same concern. This is from Dolores Williams' book, uh, Sisters in the Wilderness, The Challenge of Womanist God Talk, page 161. African American Christian women can, through their religion and its leaders, be led passively to accept their own oppression and suffering if the women are taught that suffering is Redemptive. So seeking an alternative source of redemption in Jesus other than his sufferings, Williams addresses one of the most historically damaging interpretations of Jesus' death, and that's of substitution, or as William calls it, a surrogacy. And it doesn't matter whether a theology represents uh, Jesus standing in the place of God or standing in the place of people. To the degree that Jesus was a substitute or a representative or a surrogate sufferer in, in, in one's interpretation of Jesus, cross to that same degree surrogacy she says takes on the aura of the sacred and it's it's divinely validated as an acceptable way for people to relate to each other and and, and after all if Jesus or God both participated in in surrogacy surrogacy itself it, it can't be impugned without calling the morality or justice of both God and Jesus into question as well so, so that has a particular import for black women and, and it who historically were forced into surrogacy during and, and, and following the era of the transatlantic slave trade. And if you'd like more information or just further discussion on the oppression of black women, specifically in the context of surrogacy, uh, I, I would recommend seeing Williams's chapter, uh, uh, I think it's chapter three, maybe. Um, it's Sisters in the Wilderness, The Challenge of Women as God Talk, page 40 through 60. There's 20 pages there that um, outlies this. The, 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 why uh, uh, surrogacy is not amoral. But uh, um, Dolores Williams, Sisters of the Wilderness, Challenge of Women's God Talk, page 127, she writes, in this sense, Jesus represents the ultimate surrogate figure. He stands in the place of someone else, sinful humankind. Surrogacy attached to this divine personage, thus takes on an aura of the sacred. It is therefore fitting and proper for black women to ask whether the image of a surrogate god has salvific power for black women or whether this image supports and reinforces the exploitation that has accompanied their experience with surrogacy. If black women accept this idea of redemption, can they not also passively accept the exploitation that surrogacy brings? Those are valid questions, and, and some some differentiate between Jesus's surrogacy for humanity from the historical surrogacy role of, of black women under the the subjugation of their oppressors by saying that 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 Jesus's surrogacy was was voluntary. Well, Williams finds that saying things like that or, or, or such rhetorical arguments like that they're just insufficient. She writes on on page forty one after emancipation, the coercion associated with antebellum surrogacy was. replaced by social pressures that influenced many black women to continue to fill some surrogacy roles. But there was an important difference between antebellum surrogacy and postbellum surrogacy. The difference was that black women, after emancipation, could exercise the choice of refusing the surrogate role. But social pressures often influence the choices black women made as they adjusted to life in a free world. Thus, post-bellum surrogacy can be referred to as voluntary, though pressured, surrogacy. And Williams offers, and and, and I like this option, she offers an an alternative interpretation of Jesus as a a source of redemption. Jesus, she explains, uh, gave human Kind the, the ethical thought and practice, she says, upon which to build positive, productive quality of life. And this is, it's, this is by far my favorite paragraph from Williams on this subject. This is page 130 through 131. She writes, Black women are intelligent people living in a technological world where nuclear bombs, defilement of the earth, racism, sexism, dope, and economic injustices attest to the presence and power of evil in the world. Perhaps not many people today can believe that evil and sin were overcome by Jesus' death on the cross. That is, that Jesus took human sin upon himself and therefore saved humankind. Rather, it seems more intelligent and more scriptural to understand that redemption had to do with God through Jesus, giving humankind a new vision to see the resources for positive, abundant, relational life. Redemption had to do with God through the ministerial vision, giving humankind the ethical thought and practice upon which to build positive, productive quality of life. Hence, the kingdom of God theme in the ministerial vision of Jesus does not point to death. It's not something one has to die to reach. Rather, the kingdom of God is a metaphor of hope hope that God gives those attempting to write the relations between self and self, between self and others, and between self and God as prescribed in the Sermon on the Mount the golden rule and in the commandment to show love above all else. And now, basically, it would be up to us whether we choose to follow Jesus and practice his vision uh, or whether we'll follow this, as she puts it, ethical thought and practice upon which to build positive, productive quality of life. And if the world doesn't seem that different after Jesus than it was before, uh, then it's not that Jesus' teachings have been tried and found wanting. As Chesterton stated, they've been found difficult and and left untried. And to focus on Jesus' kingdom of God theme as as the gospel or or the good news or the the source of redemption. I think it holds the most weight in the gospels themselves. The gospels don't define the good news as Jesus died for you. Uh, The good news of the gospels is every time uh, the kingdom among us. In Mark 1, 14 through 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the the good news. And notice that in this passage, which is uh, not at all unique to the Gospels, the, the Gospel of God is the announcement uh, of the arrival of the reign or, 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 or the kingdom of God. Uh, the, who, the, remember, this is a God whose, whose reign or whose kingdom, uh, it's a God who desires a world that is safe, that is distributively just, uh, a compassionate home for everyone. And this was indeed good news in Jesus's time to the oppressed, to the marginalized, and the exploited. And, and it's good news in our time as well. Consider the statement in Luke's gospel, in Luke 9, 6. So they sent, they set out and they went from village to village proclaiming the gospel and healing people everywhere. And now what I love about this passage is that it tells us that followers of Jesus, they were preaching the gospel far and wide, but here's the catch. Jesus hadn't died yet. And, and much less he, had he been resurrected, it's so we have to ask the question, what then were what was what was followers telling people when they proclaimed the gospel? Well, whatever it was, their message was a gospel without a cross and and without a resurrection. Those things hadn't happened yet. Nonetheless, they were sharing the gospel with people. And we have to let that challenge us. We have to let that confront us. According to Luke, it's possible to preach the gospel and never mention the cross or the resurrection. What were they sharing instead? What was the gospel message they were sharing? Well, that's the point. They were announcing the kingdom, and it was good news. The good news... Is always primarily about the kingdom. It's this new social vision for humanity that Jesus taught was possible here and, and now. And consider in the book of Acts and take note again of the gospel that they were proclaiming in Acts 8:12. Uh, but when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, Acts 19:8, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Acts 20, 25, now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom of God will see me again. Acts 28, 23, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and the prophets he tried to persuade them about Jesus. And Acts 28, 30 through 31, for two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rent House and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ without bold, with all boldness and without hindrance. I believe Dolores Williams is actually onto something that is significant here: survival, liberation, redemption, salvation, quality of life. In the Jesus story, these are themes that that come through what Jesus called the kingdom or the reign of God. And again. The kingdom of God, as she says, is a metaphor of hope that God gives those attempting to write relations between self and self, between self and others, between self and God as prescribed in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Golden Rule, and in the commandment to show love above all else. This is what is salvific about Jesus and his teachings. And Williams continues, this is on page 132, humankind is then redeemed through Jesus's ministerial vision of life not through his death. There's nothing divine in the blood of the cross. God does not intend a black woman's surrogacy experience. Neither can Christian uh, faith affirm such an idea. Jesus did not come to be a surrogate. Jesus came for life to show humans a perfect vision of ministerial relation that humans had very little knowledge of. As Christians, black women cannot forget the cross, but neither can they glorify it. To do so is to glorify suffering and to render the exploitation sacred. To do so is to glorify the sin of defilement. And as challenging as Williams' words are to our internal Interpretations, our traditional interpretations. I believe again they hold promise too. Uh, consider again in the book of Acts, even after Jesus died, the gospel was primarily about the coming of the kingdom. Jesus had now died. This is the book of Acts, and, and was resurrected. And, and now the story of the gospel would include his death and its its proclamation of the kingdom and the resurrection. If the emphasis w- when Jesus' life story was told, it wasn't on Jesus' death but his resurrection, that the survival of the kingdom, the good news, in other words, was not that Jesus had died, but, but, but that he was alive. The Romans couldn't stop him. A, a rich man's tomb couldn't hold him. Um, the, this prophet of the poor, he was, he was still out there. He was still recruiting. He was still calling people to follow me, still calling people to enter into um, this new way of doing life that he called the kingdom. And notice the good news. It, it now emphasizes even his Resurrection. Even though it's proclaiming the the kingdom, it emphasizes his his resurrection over his death with with great power. This is Acts four thirty three. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. And Acts 2, 22-24, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law, but God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Acts 2, 32-33, this Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. Or Acts 3, 12-16, you handed over and rejected the prince uh, the in the presence of Pilate, Though he had decided to release him, but you rejected the holy one, the righteous one, and asked to have a murderer given to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Acts 4:10 through 11. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Acts 5:30 through 32. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had ki- killed by hanging him on a tree. Acts 10:36 36 43. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day. And finally, Acts 13, 35-38, this one's my favorite. Even though they found no cause for a sentence of death, they asked Pilate to have him killed. When they had carried out everything that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And we bring you the good news that what God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising Jesus. It's quite possible. I think for atonement theories that focus on explaining how Jesus's violent death saves us, it's quite possible that they're trying to answer the wrong question. Uh, To use Williams's phrase, a more intelligent question might be, how do Jesus's teachings save us? What does salvation mean for us here and now? And, And why did the proclamation that Jesus was alive inspire such hope among oppressed communities of Galilee in the surrounding areas in the 1st century I mean, however one interprets the jesus story especially the the specific element of of his resurrection today we can't miss that that it gave hope as as good news to the early followers beyond hope for an after a life it, it gave them hope for this life and, and the reign of god had come near the the powers had, the kingdom had come near the powers that had had the, the powers that be they had tried to stop it but they failed uh, another world is possible. That's what this kingdom, this resurrection emphasis uh, proclaimed. And if what we learned last week holds any weight, if interpreting suffering as being redemptive, it's deeply damaging to marginalized and vulnerable communities. Um, And this week we're being offered an alternative interpretation. It's the teachings of Jesus that are salvific, his vision for life and for human community, his vision of distributive justice, uh, the golden rule, uh, uh, our loving one another as the the interconnected beings that we are loving another as ourselves and is called to solidarity with those that are that are presently oppressed or marginalized these teachings and and more, even more of what Jesus taught, they point the way uh, a way that's different from the course that the status quo is presently pursuing. It's a way or or, or a path to life, and and it still calls to Jesus followers today. Mark 1, 14 through fifteen. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This week. I have a special request for you. This is the time of year when Renewed Heart Ministries needs your support the most. If you've been blessed by our work, I want you to consider making a, a one-time gift or or even becoming one of our monthly contributors. Any amount is deeply appreciated, and, and your generosity ena- it enables our, our much-needed work to continue. So you, you can either go online to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and in the top right-hand corner, click on Donate, or you can mail your support to Renewed Heart Ministries. P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. Thanks in advance for for your help, and and, and thank you for checking in with us this week. Wherever you are today, keep living in love, survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and and transformation, till the only world that remains is a world, again, where only love, only justice, only compassion reigns. Another world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.